Hello, and welcome to Black Marriage Therapy, BMT for short. Here we become students of marriage in order to create healthy, long-lasting relationships. I'm your host, Kristen Smith, and in today's episode, we discuss the art of negotiation in marriage, a continuation of the conversation on communication. When we think of the word negotiation, most individuals would think of the court of law or the corporate boardroom. However, you rarely hear the word negotiation in the context of marriage. Oftentimes, when people do hear of negotiations in marriage, it's too late. The sad reality is that couples don't learn the art of negotiation until they are in divorce court contemptuously divvying their assets and their children. Negotiating in marriage may seem like a cold, pragmatic relationship that is lacking in romantic love, but the opposite is true. Too often, we think that struggle love is love. If it is not arduous, painful, and sacrificial, then it is not love. What if I told you it doesn't have to be like that, and in fact, Learning the art of negotiation can add a tremendous amount of romantic love to a relationship. The structure of marriage in the past was based on socioeconomics and duty. Feelings were rarely taken into consideration. And the concerns prior to deciding to marry were, will we survive and will our children survive? That is where negotiation began and ended. Marriage no longer looks like communions based on socioeconomics and duty. However, negotiations are still valuable to modern egalitarian relationships, especially to help resolve issues. Why is negotiation so important? Truly, negotiation is about value. Creating a relationship with a foundation of negotiations as a communication tool shows that you value one another. You value each other's thoughts, opinions, ideas, dreams, goals, emotions, wants, and needs. People negotiate with others they feel offer something valuable. In episode nine, I discussed partnership. And in episode seven, I discussed communication. This episode is like a merge of the two. What I have learned thus far is that a successful partnership requires communication, but not any sort of communication, specifically negotiation. In this episode, we will discuss what negotiation is not, what it is, barriers to effective negotiation, and how to negotiate in marriage. If you've been enjoying the content, please follow us on Instagram at Black Marriage Therapy, rate us on your podcast platform, and share your favorite episode with a friend. First, let's talk about what negotiation is not. I do not like to define things by what they are not, but in this case, I think it's very important. Firstly, negotiation is not a competition. Competition is self-focused, is very selfish. So negotiating in marriage 
that's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to just think about ourselves and compete and bicker and like just try to overtake somebody. Now, let's be honest, okay? Um, at least one of us in the relationship is the competitive one or the one who likes to argue or likes to, you know, negotiate the way they see it, <laughs> okay? If you're that person, that's okay. Ain't no judgment. But the negotiation that I'm talking about, it is not competitive. It is not to argue. Secondly, the type of negotiation that we're talking about here today is not the ones that we're talking about in the business relationships. All right. In the business relationship, most of the times they're just trying to maximize their own gain at the expense of the other person. In a relationship, in a marriage, you care about the other person. You love the the other person, hopefully, right? So it's not going to be that cold where it's just like, how can I maximize uh, what I want and just forget about what they want? That's not what's happening here. Lastly, the negotiations that we're talking about here is not quid pro quo or tit for tat. So you did this for me, so now I'm going to do this for you, and da-da-da-da, blah-blah-blah. That's not the type of negotiation we're talking about today. We're going to be talking about what some people call collaborative negotiation or a win-win situation, which I know sounds impossible. And for a while, I definitely thought that that's not how marriage works. You don't get to win and win. You know, somebody has to lose sometimes and blah, 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 whatever. But as of late, recently practicing this type of style of communication, negotiating, I have found that it is actually very possible. So what is negotiation? The actual definition, it is defined as obtaining or bringing about by discussion. I really like that definition because I don't know, whenever I always thought about negotiation, I just thought about like, I don't know, litigation. I didn't think of like a conversation like, oh, negotiation is just a discussion, right? Um, so I, I like that definition. And it's also in line with the with what we're talking about today, which is a collaborative negotiation. Um what I what I've learned through the research and through uh, looking at this topic in different angles is that negotiation is collaborative and is dynamic, so it moves right, and that's what the definition is talking about. It's a discussion. Collaboration is actually about the process of working together. So here is what collaborative negotiation should look like: one, each partner understands that his or her spouse is a valuable person in the same way that he or she is, which is what we talked about earlier. Two, each partner is able to identify wants and desires. Three, each partner is willing to negotiate his or her wants and desires. Four, each partner can explain, not justify, what is important about the stated wants and desires. Five, neither partner seeks to privilege his or her wants and desires over the others because of one's status, such as gender or wage earner. Six, each partner is willing to take action based on the negotiation of wants and desires. And seven, each partner is willing to learn and change based on the outcomes of the actions taken. So we've gone over what negotiation is and what it isn't. Now let's discuss some barriers to negotiation. 
after we talk about the barriers to effective negotiation, we're going to follow that up with how to actually negotiate, which is probably why you guys are listening to this episode. (laughs) But that's what we're going to get to after. So the first barrier to effective negotiation is not valuing yourself. This is super, super important. Um, In previous episodes, I have mentioned that a healthy relationship is only as healthy as the individual. We discussed previously that negotiation is about seeing the value in each other, right? Two viable people come together to have a discussion about their opinions, their ideals, their wants, and their needs. If you do not believe that what you have to offer is valuable, then you cannot negotiate effectively. The second barrier is boundary issues. Now, boundary issues on its own in marriage is an entire episode by itself. (laughs) So I'm not gonna spend too much time on boundary issues, but I do want to say boundaries go hand in hand with value. When you value yourself and you have a level of self-respect, uh, you know, a high self-image, all these type of things, you are willing to put limits and say no and, you know, put boundaries in place so that you are respected because you are valuable. They go hand in hand. If you feel like you um, are being manipulated, exploited, coerced, pressured in these conversations, you may have an issue of of boundaries and and setting those lines that says, no, this is what I deserve. Um, I have this quote. It says, without personal boundaries, we run the risk of confusing our needs and wants with others, which leads to codependency. Codependency is a term that describes a toxic one-sided relationship. It is impossible to enjoy a healthy relationship without strong and clear boundaries. And that goes for the same for negotiation. These are basic foundational things that if you're not working on within yourself, there's no way that you can be able to negotiate effectively. And here are a few signs, um, to tell if you have personal boundary issues. You fail to speak up when you're treated badly. You give away too much of your time. You agree with the person when you actually feel like disagreeing. You say yes to a person when you want to say no. You feel guilty for dedicating time to yourself. You make too many grand sacrifices for others at your own expense. You're passive aggressive. You constantly feel like the victim. You feel like you have to earn respect by being nice. You over share details. You feel guilty when others aren't happy. You are what other people want. No, you are what other people want slash need you to be and not who you need to be. You're out of touch with your needs. You attract people who try to control or dominate you. You have chronic fear about what others think about you. I need to stop reading this list because, you know, uh, you know, your girl's still working on herself. I'm just saying (laughs) some of these things, you know, maybe ring true a little bit for me. Um, but those are some, um, signs that you may have boundary issues. So before you are getting into learning how to negotiate with your partner, if you are struggling with these issues like self-worth, value, uh, boundary issues, things like that, it may be difficult for you to negotiate and you may have to address those, um, concerns first before you start negotiating with your partner. Another barrier to negotiating is sacrifice. Now, 
this is going to sound weird because in every relationship, you know, you've heard of the give and take, you know, people are sacrificing, like that is just part of the dynamic of relationship. You win some, you lose some, yada, yada, yada. Now, at first when I was reading about sacrifice and researching this and reading about it, I was a little bit like, mm, no, you're supposed to sacrifice your relationship, blah, blah. I, told, I mentioned before about the struggle, love, okay, all that stuff. And as I continue to read and learn, I'm like, oh, the sacrifice that we're doing is not the sacrifice that is the healthy sacrifice. And that's what I'm going to talk about. And that is the one that is a barrier to relationship. The sacrifice that we may be used to doing in relationships, which is what we moralize and say is great and pure and makes your relationship stronger, yada, yada, yada. That is sacrifice done in secrecy. That is when one person chooses to voluntarily lose in in a particular area in order at the expense of somebody else, but they never say anything. They're doing it quietly. This type of sacrifice is not a long-term solution. And also eventually this person gets tired of it and they expect sacrifice back. Have you ever had an argument with your partner where y'all was arguing about dishes and then it turned into an argument about, oh no, I sacrifice more. No, I sacrifice more. No, I sacrifice more. This is the sacrifice that I'm talking about. We do not want this type of sacrifice. Now, is there room for sacrifice in relationships? Of course, you know, it's part of life. However, when we're doing, however, the right type of sacrifice we want is what we call joint sacrifice. Joint sacrifice is not done in secrecy. It is done out bold in your face. Okay. Now, when you, when you decide to come together and say, okay, this is going to be a sacrificial season for us. This is what it's going to look like. This is why we're doing it. This is how long it's going to be. It is really takes away the pressure, the expectation. And also it takes away the reciprocity where somebody feels like, you know what, because I did this, you owe me. No, everything is out in the open is out front. For example, right now I'm in school and our family dynamic is like, we're sacrificing in a lot of ways. There's a lot of ways that we have to hold back. There's a lot of ways we have to, you know, change our roles and dynamics and things like that. But it is very much out in the open. Julie and I have had this discussion, like, this is what we're doing. This is what it's going to look like. This is how long it's going to take, right? So everybody is aware. There is no secrecy in this sacrifice. The type of sacrifice that is done in secrecy is not is not helpful to negotiating in relationships. The next barrier to effective negotiation is a lack of trust and intimacy. All right, this this is episode six right here. If you have not listened to episode six on trust and intimacy, go back and listen to it. Guys, the more trust and intimacy you have, the better communication you will have. In this case, the better negotiations you would have. And the better negotiations you have, the more trust and intimacy you have. Here is the thing. Marriage is a cycle. The more you put in, the more you get out. The more you put in, the more you get out. The less you put in, the less you get out. Now, this cycle could be good. It could be bad. But it all depends on whichever wolf you feed. If you've never heard the story, Google uh, feeding good wolf, good wolf, bad wolf, something like that. Whichever wolf you feed is the one that will be stronger. So if you put in more effort, 
into your marriage, then you will get that back out and you put it back in. In the in the in this case, we're talking about trust and intimacy. When you have a strong foundation of trust and intimacy, it allows you be, to be open and vulnerable in those negotiations where you have to kind of put your feelings out there. You have to be really honest. You have to be uh, uh, open and and give them your scary thoughts, your scary opinion, your scary ideas that takes trust and intimacy. But guess what? When you can do that, you can come out with better negotiations. And as you come out with better negotiations, that refuels your love tank. And you can say, you know what? I can do that again. It builds and fortifies the trust and the intimacy and so forth and so on. It's very cyclical. The next barrier is inadequate honesty. The longer I am in relationship with my husband, the deeper the honesty has to get. In the beginning of our relationship, you know, everything is very shallow. Of course, you look beautiful. <laughs> of course, you know, you're, you smell good today, all this stuff, right? Then as you start dating, you start being a little bit more honest. Be like, oh, baby, you could, you, you could really use a bath or, oh, babe, this meal wasn't really good. And, you know, you start being a little bit more honest, right? And then... It gets even more honest, like, oh, babe, you know, like I'm not feeling as attracted to you or babe, I really need personal space. I'm like, ooh, it started getting real deep. Then it requires even a deeper level of honesty. Trust me when I tell you successful relationships cannot thrive without honesty, not just any type of honesty. We talk about that radical, deep, ugly type of honesty, right? But that honesty shared in a safe, intimate, loving, trusting space usually is a benefit a benefit to the relationship instead of a detriment. So we're talking about emotional honesty, which is really expressing how you feel regardless of how you think somebody may react. Um, and then honesty over your wants and needs. This is difficult because sometimes you feel ashamed about what you want, need, or desire, or how you feel. And therefore you hold it to yourself and you don't, um, say it, but then you remain unsatisfied, which makes you resent the person dishonesty is not going to get you where you want to go. Even if it's uncomfortable, even if you feel ashamed about it, it's, it's not going to benefit the relationship, right? So for example, you may feel ashamed to say, babe, I lost attraction to you or babe, I need more sex or babe, I need more space or babe, you know, I don't feel supported or encouraged by you. You may feel like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna hurt this person's feelings, yada, yada, yada. My husband and I, we have a rule about honesty and this is what helps us to stay honest with one another. If I have something really honest to say, right? Or Junior has something really honest to say, He'll tell me, okay, I really want to tell you something. And I'll say, okay, I'm, I give him the room to say whatever he want to say. And I tell him, hey, whatever you say to me, you can say freely. My reaction is my responsibility. How I feel about it is my responsibility. You shouldn't feel responsible for how I feel about it. You should be able to freely say what you want to say. If that means like, oh, I lost attraction to you. I may be hurt. I may be sad or whatever like that. But you should be able to say that freely with love and respect. And my reaction is my responsibility. So don't worry about how I'm going to feel about it. It helps us to be able to be as honest as possible um, in our relationship. The last barrier to effective negotiation are gender norms. 
Now, I know we live in a more modern, progressive society, and we are moving forward when it comes to gender norms. However, in relationships, even today, gender norms are still played out in marriage, right? Where, you know, the men are seen to be this and this and this, you know, leaders and you know, uh, decision makers and money makers and all this stuff. And women are to to seen, Oh Lord, women are seen to be, um, caretakers and, you know, comforters, supporters, all these type of things. Um, these gender roles play out into how well you negotiate. If you are going into a negotiation, you're going into a discussion about a specific issue and you are, um, staunch on the idea that at the end of the day, I'm the man. So I have to make the the final decision. If you are going into the negotiation like that, it won't be successful because you're already not valuing your partner's opinion because of their gender. You're already saying at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how they feel. It doesn't matter what they think, but it doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to make the final decision. That's a problem. If you're a woman and they say women tend to be more agreeable, blah, blah, blah. That's what the studies say. Now, if you're a woman and you go in thinking like, okay, well, I have to be submissive and I have to be agreeable and I have to make it pleasant, you know, a pleasant experience, blah, blah, blah. You are disvaluing yourself. You're not giving your chance. You're not giving yourself a chance to be able to speak freely your, your ideals, your opinions, everything that you desire and things like that. So again, the negotiation is not really going to work well. Now, here's a little secret thought, okay? I'm going to share this with you guys. And I feel like I'm not the only woman who thinks this, but if I am, I'm okay with that. But here's a little secret thought. Sometimes as a woman, I feel that it is my job to make my home life and myself as pleasant and a pleasurable experience to my husband as much as possible um, so that he will not be displeased with me and seek love elsewhere. I think that can be a barrier. Now, guys, my husband is not out here saying, oh, you need to be like this and do like that, blah, blah, blah. This is something in my own mind that I feel sometimes it's like, okay, well, I can't be too um, outspoken, not outspoken, but man, I can't forthright forthcoming. You know, I have to tiptoe and and be careful with how I say things and what I want and what I feel and blah, 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 because I don't want to make this experience displeasurable for him, right? Because I don't want him to find love elsewhere. Now, I may be the only woman who feels like that, or maybe there's women who also feels like that, but that type of thinking already have you going into the negotiation with bad footing. So for example, let's say that we are negotiating um, childcare on the weekends. Like, you know, I want to be able to go out and I want to be, and he wants to be able to go out, but our kids need to be watched in the weekend. So if I come into the negotiation and I say, and I'm thinking already to myself, you know what? I really, he really needs to decompress from work, you know, and I really don't want him to be stressed. I really want him to have fun. I don't want him to think I'm ruining his fun. I don't want him to think that I'm trying to be controlling. I don't want him to think blah, 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 blah. So when we come to negotiations and he's like, well, this is what I want. This is how I want to do it, blah, blah, blah. I am more likely to concede and say, okay, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm not really going to push my forefront onto what I want because I don't want him to be displeased. And this is a fault I think that some women may have. And it's ultimately an assumption because 
yo, men can handle a lot more than we think they can handle. I'm going to just say that right there. Just from a woman's perspective, I feel like sometimes we tiptoe and dance around our men and don't go as hard. And, and I'm not talking about, you know, aggressive. I'm just talking about with love and respect, but really going in on what you desire and what you need just because you don't want to make the man uncomfortable or feel displeased or whatever like that. Um, so that's one way gender norms can be a barrier to effective negotiation. Now, now reviewing the barriers, I realized, especially as of late, I realized that I kind of had a little bit or all of the barriers. Um, I, I checked a few boxes. Okay. I'm not going to say all of them, but <laughs> I checked a few boxes on this list when it came to negotiation. And I didn't realize this is why the problem was happening. I kept thinking to myself, let's be honest. I kept thinking to myself, you know what? My husband is going to notice and he's going to care enough, or he's going to just read my mind enough and see enough for, you know, and I'm going to make small hints and that's going to be enough for him to understand what I want, need, and desire. And that was a fault. I definitely was struggling with um, valuing myself. I was definitely struggling with boundary issues and setting limits. I was I was struggling with uh, uh, sacrificing um, and and inadequate inadequate honesty. Um, all these things were a hamper. And what would happen usually is that I would stretch myself too far, say yes to things that I didn't really want to say yes to, which created a bad cycle of hurt. Because when you say yes, you don't fulfill your commitment. Now the person can't trust you. Now you're hurting that person, right? And the reason why you can't say yes is because you don't really agree with what you're saying because you don't know how to speak up because you don't know how to negotiate. And this is what was happening in our relationship. The most recent really big or bad argument we're having, we kept going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And it was really, you know, getting to a negative point. And what happened is we ended up having one, a, a big argument. And of course I was crying, <laughs> crying in some corner, like, oh, you know, whatever I was crying. And we both decided to silently ignore the problem. And you know how I know we did this? Because the next day we just both woke up all cheery, making breakfast, didn't mention the issue, didn't talk about it, didn't discuss it at all. We literally just moved on, and which is so bad. <laughs> just so bad to just silently move on from an issue without any type of acknowledgement, right? But let's just say it was the grace of God because the conversation came back up. It was a much lighter, calmer mood. And we were just having a conversation. And what happened is the it was revealed that the reason why we were going back and forth was because I wasn't negotiating what I wanted. I wasn't having a discussion and bringing my desires to the table. Junior was bringing his desires to the table. He said, well, this is what I want. This is what I need. I kept trying to just do it as much as I can without considering my own schedule without considering what I had going on. And I'm just like, okay, yes, I'll do that. But I knew I couldn't. And because I couldn't, I continued to fail. And because I couldn't continue to fail or lack motivation to continue or, you know, uh, you know, would not follow through on my promise, then Junior would get hurt. And it would be a cycle and a cycle and a cycle. So eventually the conversation ended when I was able to say, hey, 
through epiphany, through grace, through the grace of God, all these things, I was able to say, this is what I can do. This is what I want. This is what I desire. And he was like, well, this is what, what I want. And this is what I desire. And after we brainstormed and looked at all the different solutions, we came to a moment of enthusiastic agreement which is where we both feel like we can say yes to that and yes to that. And that is what I'm going to talk about with negotiation. In this last section, we are going to talk about how to negotiate. In my research, studies and books and all papers and all these different things, I came across a book by Dr. Willard, Willard, oh Lord, F. Harley Jr. Okay, he wrote the book called He Wins, She Wins, Learning the Art of Marital Negotiation. It is a really, really good book. It spells it out perfectly. I am not going to be able to go through the entire book. The, the Really, the first five chapters are really what's going to give you all the meat and bone, the meat and potatoes of what you need when it comes to learning the art of negotiation. Um, but I'm just going to briefly go over how to come to what they call enthusiastic agreement, enthusiastic agreement, or what he calls the policy of joint agreement. Okay. So here is the golden rule. Never do anything without an enthusiastic agreement between you and your spouse. When I first heard this, I said, oh, fooey. I was like, listen, bro, there ain't no way that two different, and in my case, opposing antithesis, me and my husband are, people can both come to an enthusiastic enthusiastic agreement about particular issues, topics, you know, things like that. I was like, no, there's no way. But after practicing it, I'm like, oh, there's definitely a way. It just takes a whole lot of work. So again, the golden rule is never do anything without an enthusiastic agreement between you and your spouse. It is called the policy of joint agreement. It is simply a rule to help couples remember that just about everything they do affects each other and in their wisest choices are those that take each other's feelings and interests into account. In the beginning, I said that the it is possible to have effective negotiation in marriage and still have romantic love. This policy of joint agreement does that. Because what, what happens is when you're negotiating, you're not talk, thinking of yourself, right? It's not about competition. You are considering your desires because you want to come to a place and the goal is enthusiastic agreement you also have to consider the the person's interest in there and what they want so if we're talking about something simple as if as in like household chores or household duties I'm going to say, well, this is what I desire, blah, 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 blah. If I just argue from there, this is what I desire, this is what I desire, how can we come to both joint enthusiastic agreement? I have to think about what I desire, but also think about what the person may desire. Thinking about that and and trying to find solutions from that point, from the middle point of there, allows you to be able to be considerate of one another and really find a win-win solution. And when you come to what they call the enthusiastic agreement, you are more likely to stick it out. You're more likely to stick to what you agreed to because you were enthusiastic about it and and your thoughts, your emotions, everything was considered in this solution. Now, there are some exceptions to the rule and I would suggest reading the book 
Um, I think, I believe it's chapter seven talks about the exceptions to the, to this rule. So if you're in an abusive relationship, addiction, you know, uh, things like that, that's not something where you're going to use this type of, um, skill. Okay. So here are the four guidelines to negotiation. Guideline number one, set ground rules to make negotiation pleasant and safe. Now I talk about ground rules in our, in my episode on communication, We talked about the fact that sometimes it's not about the conflict itself. It's about how you go about the the conflict, right? So if you are disrespectful, mean, arrogant, you know, all these type of things, demeaning, you are never, the conflict is never going to resolve. We're not going to even get to the conflict. All you're going to get to is hurt and pain. So the first thing you need to do is set ground rules. Now he gives some examples of ground rules in his uh, book. And I do too, as well in episode seven, ground rule. Number one is try to be pleasant, come in soft. Okay. We don't, don't come in hot, come in soft, (laughs) come in cold. Okay. Ground rule number two, put safety first. That means don't make demands. Don't show disrespect. Keep your anger at bay and have some self-control. Ground rule number three, if you reach an impasse. So if you guys are negotiating and you guys are feeling like, you know what? Mm, It's not working. I don't think this is going to work, blah, blah, blah. Take a break. It's fine. Take a break, come back and then start negotiation. You may need to like breathe. You may need to really just think about, take a breather and be like, hmm, what do I really want? Because we keep going back and forth, maybe da 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 And once you have that time of clarity, then you may be able to come back and come to a better resolve about the conversation. So guideline number one is set ground rules to make negotiation pleasant and safe. Guideline number two, identify the problem from both perspectives. I ain't gonna lie, y'all. I feel like this is the hardest part. Because it really takes patience to try your best to understand the other person's perspective. Um, And I think this is where, in the example I was telling you guys, this is where Junior and I were having the most problems. We were, this was where the situation got tumultuous. Uh, Specifically, my husband wanted more quality time and I felt like I had a lot on my plate and I didn't want to add to more to my plate as far as quality time goes. And I think we were just, he was not understanding my perspective and I wasn't understanding his perspective. Um, so the problem was never, it was hard to even identify the problem, let alone from each other's perspective. Um, there's a quote in the book that says, most couples go into marital negotiation without doing their homework. They don't fully understand the conflict itself, nor do they understand each other's perspectives. In many cases, they aren't even sure what they really want. So this is super important. In this step, you want to take your time to know the root of the issue to know what you want and to see what the other person's view is. If you are arguing about dishes, for example, it may be very well that you feel like you do all the dishes, but if the true problem is you do not feel supported in the relationship and you're arguing about dishes, the negotiation is fraught. Nothing is going to come from it because that's not the real argument. 
So when you come into negotiation, you have to have some type of self-reflection and self-awareness. Think to yourself, what is the problem? What do I really want? What do I really need? Do I need my husband to be or my wife to be more considerate of me, more appreciative of me? Yada, yada, yada. What does that look like? You have to come in ready. Okay. And this is why negotiation and win-win solutions in relationships, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of self-work and it takes a lot of collaborative work, which is the process, the dynamic. You have to be patient. You have to be willing. Um, also in guideline number two, uh, you want to take your time to get to the root of the issue, but also you don't want to disrespect, um, your partner's perspective. So what that means is if you don't fully understand, maybe you don't fully get why this person needs this or wants this or wants to do this. Don't be disrespectful. Another quote in the book, he says, you will not solve your problem if you are disrespectful of each other's perspectives. Both perspectives must be accommodated. In this stage of negotiation, you are to simply gather the information that will help you understand what it will take to make each other happy. If you reject the information provided by your spouse, you will be ignoring the facts. You should not interrupt or take over each other or even use mannerisms such as rolling your eyes that could be interpreted as disrespectful. Um, this is the easy way to hurt people. And this is why I say this stage right here is like, Ooh, okay. This is where it could get a little, get a little rocky. It's, it's very important. Like if your spouse is saying, like, for instance, Junior was saying, I need more quality time. I'm not a quality time person. In my mind, I'm like, bruh, like how much time can we spend together? Like we are literally together every waking day. Now, if that was my attitude going in to him and saying, bro, we don't need to spend all that time together. You need to chill. You need to get a hobby, blah, blah, blah. Whatever I said, that would literally create hurt, which removes from your love bank. And it just sets you back like five, 10 steps because now you got to resolve the hurt before you could even renegotiate. It just, it makes things difficult. So have self-control. Okay. Keep your tongue to yourself. Just listen, just take the facts in and do not disrespect each other's perspective. You don't have to fully understand Just respect that that's the way they feel, that's what they want or need or desire. Guideline number three, brainstorm with abandon. Now, this is specifically how he says it. I know it don't sound, make sense right now, but (laughs) I'm going to explain it. Um, This is the... This is the stage where you think of all the different solutions, even the ones that you think are dumb. So in this stage, you're going to think of, you're going to write down, write down or think of or discuss whatever you feel comfortable with, all the ways you think that we can resolve this situation. Now, when you're doing this, you are going to be thinking of yourself, but also considering what the person wants. Why? You want both of you guys to be able to be enthusiastic about this agreement. If you're enthusiastic, you're more likely to stay consistent, right? Which builds trust and intimacy in this relationship. It's all a cycle, guys. Now, you're going to write down every solution you could possibly think of. So for my husband and I, right, quality time, my plate is full, blah, 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 blah. We went back and forth for a while. Junior was like, okay, you know, I want to do it every week. I'm like, there's no way I could do it every week. Do, do it every week. He's like, okay, but, and I was like, well, let's do date nights. He's like, no, I don't want date nights. I want specifically time just for me, you know, where it's just me and you undivided attention. I'm like, okay. So we're going back and forth. We're like, well, can we do this? Can we do that? Blah, blah, blah. We're putting all the solutions on the table. And some of them didn't work. Some of them did work. 
during this stage, this stage, this stage, I don't think is as difficult as stage two, but it can be a little bit difficult because you may want to give up or give in because you're like, oh, this solution is not going to work. This solution is not going to work. This solution is not going to work. And you feel like, bruh, nothing is going to work. But if you keep at it, you will come to a, there is a point where you can, you both you guys can say, yes, I'm willing to do that. And yes, I'm willing to do that. And you get a win-win solution. So stage three, brainstorm. This stage forces you to think of the other person because the goal is for both of you guys to be enthusiastic in agreement. The last guideline, guideline four, is choose the solution that meets the condition of the policy of joint agreement, which is mutual and enthusiastic agreement. In the book, it says good solutions are those you and your spouse consider desirable, Bad solutions, on the other hand, take the feelings of one spouse into account at the expense of the other. The best solution is the one that makes you and your spouse most enthusiastic. So going back to the example of quality time and a busy plate, we came to an agreement that we would have one date night a month and two quality time a month. So Junior decreased the amount of times that he needed to meet in the month, and I was able to add a date night time. So what happens is in the month now, we're going to have specific undivided time three times out of the month where we are just focusing on each other. Now, this was good for me because at first I was stretching myself way too thin. At first, the goal was eight times a month, y'all. I know that sounds so crazy, but it was eight times a month. And there was no way with everything that I had to do and everything that was on my plate that I was going to be able to do that. That was undesirable for me. It was not going to, that was not giving me an enthusiastic agreement. And for Junior, because I could not meet that demand, there was no, he kept getting hurt. (laughs) So I was like, bro, this is not working. So what happened is we just took the numbers down. I gave him my realistic number. He said, you know what? I can do that number. And I said, you know what? I can do this number. And we both came to an enthusiastic agreement. And this has helped me specifically to be motivated to continue and do what we agreed to do because I said yes. And I'm not only said, I said yes with enthusiasm. I said, yes, like this is literally what I can do. And he was like, I can accept that. And it was great. So that is the art of negotiation in a nutshell. This is the simplified version of how it should go, right? Now, again, pick up the book by Dr. Willard F. Harley Jr. He Wins, She Wins, Learning the Art of Marital Negotiation. I know for a fact it's on Apple Books. I know it's on Audible Books. It's not on the free app um, Libby. I already checked, it's not on the free app. But you can always download free um, books on zlibrary.com. So if you, if you want to read it digitally, you can check your local libraries, things like that. The book has been super, super helpful and goes into more detail about the four guidelines that I'm talking about. Now to close, I want to leave you guys with some tips and a challenge. Here's the tip. If you are in a serious, committed relationship, do not wait till you are married to learn this skill. You can practice it now. Negotiation is not just in marriage, but before marriage as well. You should talk about duties and childcare and uh, careers and finances. And you should talk about, you know, how much quality time do you need? How much alone time do you need? Do you need to vacation a lot? Do you need to see your friends a lot? Do you need to see your parents a lot? 
or do you need not to see them, right? Whatever the conflict is, whatever the issues is, whatever things that you want to desire in your heart, these are things that you need to have conversations about. If you can learn this art of negotiation, this will benefit your relationship greatly, especially if you can do it effectively, continuously. It is difficult. It does take a lot of time. It does take a lot of work, but the benefits outweigh the costs. That's tip number one. Tip number two, get in touch with your wants and your needs. Now the book specifically at the end, it has assessments where you can take like an assessment to find out what are your major wants, what are major needs, all these different types of things. So you can, there's things online, there's resources or talk to a therapist, talk to a friend, you know, talk to yourself, girl, (laughs) something men too. Y'all all need to figure out what do you truly want? What do you truly need? You cannot be negotiating and you don't even know what you want. You are indecisive. It's not going to work. It's just going to be annoying. So get in touch with what you want and what you need. The last tip, negotiations are an ongoing process. It's not a one-time event. So if you have negotiated something in the past, renegotiations are possible. Okay. And the sign that you might need to renegotiate is a major transition. Okay. Such as having a child, because I'll tell you what, All right. Dating and that first year marriage is not the same as eight years in with two jits. Okay. It's, it's, it's different. So you're going to need to renegotiate your time and your, your needs and your wants and your desires and things like that. Um, a big transition and consistent tension. So in our case, we had this fight that just kept coming up and coming up and coming up. It wasn't being resolved. What was going on? There was a tension there that needed something new, something fresh. And for us, that was a deeper level of honesty that was, uh, upsetting boundaries. And it was a really good, strong negotiation sit, uh, sit down that allowed us to move past that conflict. So these are telltale signs that you need to negotiate and, or renegotiate. Now, here is the challenge. Try to revisit a minor issue. We're going to start with minor, okay, because we don't want to go to the big kahuna just yet. (laughs) Let's start doing some small things. Revisit a minor issue you and your partner had, and instead of arguing, okay, or discussing, you know, what do they call it, heated discussions? Instead of having a heated discussion till you're blue in the face, try the negotiation guidelines that we just talked about, talked about, try to negotiate the issue with these four guidelines that I gave you, read the book and try to negotiate, Uh, do the quiz and find out your wants and needs. Take some time to yourself, you know, meditate, journal, do what you need to do and revisit a minor issue that you had with your partner and see if you guys can have a successful negotiation. I really, really want to know how it goes. Okay. DM me. You can follow me on uh, black marriage therapy on Instagram. I am also thinking about creating a discord because I want to kind of create a community and I want to know what's going on. I want to know if you, if these, uh, tips and tricks and things that I'm talking about is of use to you. That way I can know what to tweak and and what to talk about and things like that. So to end this episode, I would like to, uh, give you guys a quote from the book. The quote says conflicts are to be expected when two people who are very different share life with each other. That being the case, knowing how to resolve these conflicts enjoyably and safely is absolutely essential to marital satisfaction. Thank you all for tuning into this episode of black marriage 
Therapy. Remember, all books, studies, or websites mentioned will be in the show notes. If you haven't yet, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Black Marriage Therapy. Thanks again for listening. See you again soon.